Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. My name is Laura Orr with the Box R Ranch in Bertram, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's great to have you along for another episode of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, farm income will take a big drop this year as rising costs put a squeeze on farm profitability. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains farmers were needing a whole lot less irrigation back when we got those big spring rains. But with our current dry spell, can we still hope that there might be less groundwater consumption for this crop season as a whole? I'm James Hunt, and we'll talk about that on Texas Ag Today. The Farm Service Agency's latest efforts to help financially distressed borrowers. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more details from the U.S. Department of Agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Some central Texas corn farmers are dealing with full grain bins and elevators and having to store this year's big corn crop on the ground. I'm Gary Joyner and I'll have details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Farm income set a record last year as both grain and livestock markets moved sharply higher. But this year, both farm income and farm profits are expected to drop. USDA economist Kerry Litkowski says there are three reasons for the decline. We expect cash receipts to fall in 2023 after being a record high in 2022. We're also expecting that production expenses or the costs that farmers have to pay for their production inputs is expected to continue to increase into 2023, which would lower net income in 2023. And government payments, which are direct payments to farmers from farm programs, are expected to fall uh, in 2023 as well. So all three factors are pushing income down. Total farm income is expected to make a 27% drop this year, while net farm income will drop 23% as rising costs are putting the squeeze on farm profitability. 
Rising interest rates and higher input costs continue to take a toll on U.S. farmers. According to the Purdue University CME Group Ag Economy Barometer, farmers' current view of conditions on their own farm and on U.S. agriculture as a whole fell in August. 60% of the farmers surveyed said they expect interest rates to rise in the upcoming year. 34% said higher input costs are one of their top concerns. 20% said declining commodity prices are their top concern. Despite concerns about rising interest rates, the survey says farmers remain cautiously optimistic about farmland values. 39% expect those values to rise over the next year. 63% said they expect those values to rise over the next five years. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Sheep and goat research here in Texas is expanding, with the Texas A&M AgriLife Research Center in San Angelo looking for more personnel. Reed Redden is the state sheep and goat specialist and director of the center. We're looking for a rangeland ecologist, but one of the primary focuses is going to be within renewable energy, whether that's solar, wind, these different areas where we have energy coming into agricultural lands. How do we make the best of a win-win situation there? And then we're also looking for a livestock predation scientist that will help grow our livestock guardian dog program and look at other tools to help our small ruminant producers of West Central Texas and beyond continue to exist with more and more predators out there on the landscape. Redden says we are very fortunate to live in a state that has the funding to increase research on these important topics. Texas High Plains farmers needed a lot less irrigation water this spring thanks to heavy rains. But James Hunt says the current summer drought has had the pumps running hard. Back in the spring, when the Texas High Plains received some very big rains, farmers were able to cut back significantly on early season irrigation. That not only helped save them some money on production expenses, it also encouraged hopes that perhaps there would be less demand put on the Ogallala Aquifer for the entire season overall. How are things playing out? I asked Jason Coleman with the High Plains Underground Water Conservation District for his thoughts on how well the benefits of those spring rains are holding up. Definitely some irrigation was offset. There's no doubt about it. Thankful for that. But during the later part of the season here, eerily similar to some other recent years where it's been hot and dry. And the maturity of crops here later in the summer is a period of higher water use for those crops. And so it's been a real challenge for irrigators to try to keep up with the water requirements of their crops in these hot, dry days. So time will tell as we close out the year and then start observations of our water levels in the early part of the winter. Uh, what the effects have been, but there's no doubt we had some offset of irrigation earlier in the year with those beneficial rains. Coleman did add there is another factor that should contribute to groundwater savings this season, crop losses. Many acres where crops were lost to storm damage early on were not replanted. The High Plains Water District includes all or portions of 16 counties ranging from the Amarillo area down to just south of Lubbock. The district's annual report on its observations of water levels is typically released along about March or April. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. USDA's Farm Service Agency is making efforts to help distressed borrowers. 
Tom Nicoletti has more. Since August of 2022, the U.S. Department of Agriculture has issued financial assistance to more than 20,000 distressed borrowers of Farm Service Agency loans. These are people who are unable to repay their debt on time due to financial difficulties. Here is FSA Administrator Zach Ducheneau. And as we continue to get a better understanding of the scope of the distress out there in our direct and guaranteed portfolio, we continue to prioritize using those resources to help keep those farmers on the farm. To date, $1.15 billion in assistance has been allocated. That includes the recent announcement of FSA providing additional automatic assistance for borrowers of qualifying guaranteed farm loan programs that face financial risk. We're announcing that we will provide qualifying distressed guaranteed loan borrowers with assistance similar to what was already provided to those distressed direct loan borrowers back last fall. Ducheneau explains producer eligibility requirements borrowers who did not receive any automatic payment because they were not yet 60 days delinquent as of September 30th, 2022, as well as guaranteed borrowers that became delinquent between September 30th and October 18th, 2022. The producers that had a loan restructure between March 1st, 2020 and August 11th, 2023 are eligible for some of this assistance as well. Payments on deferred guaranteed loan amounts are limited to up to $100,000. For more information and applications, check with your local Farm Service Agency office. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Central Texas corn crop was excellent this year. Gary Joyner says yields are outgrowing storage space. You might say it's a regular bin buster. This year's Central Texas corn crop is so large that some farmers are running out of storage. Grain bins and elevators in the area are full. That leaves some farmers storing the crop on the ground. It's not ideal, but it's the best option for some when a crop this size comes out of the field. Farmers can thank early rainfall in the spring for the bumper crop. It set things up perfectly. Corn yields are the best many in the area have seen in a long time. Growers in other parts of the state hope to have similar success. State corn harvest is now just over 50%. The overall condition of the Texas corn crop is much better than a year ago, and the storage situation proves it. Texas corn growers plant more than 2 million acres annually. Harvest can run as late as November in our state. Farmers already finished with harvesting corn now hope for new moisture to arrive this fall. I'm Gary Joyner for Texas Ag Today. Early teal hunting season opens Saturday. I'm Jessica Dolmel and I'll have this year's hunting forecast coming up on Texas Ag Today. And the use of mRNA vaccines in meat animals has been a big topic of discussion recently. Veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. 
The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The use of mRNA vaccines in meat animals and the safety for consumers has been a recent topic of discussion in the media. Dr. Bob Judd takes a closer look at the issue. Those in favor of mRNA vaccines indicate the vaccines hold promise to control and eradicate diseases that pose a significant threat to animal health. However, those opposed fear that meat and milk from mRNA vaccines could negatively impact consumer health. Tri-State Livestock News indicates vaccines prevent illness by training the body to recognize and fight harmful viruses or bacteria by introducing a non-disease-producing form of the organism that stimulates the immune system to manufacture specific cells to destroy or block an infective organism if the animal is exposed. Vaccines produce a weakened pathogen, killed pathogen, or parts of the pathogen for stimulating the immune system. However, some diseases do not respond to typical vaccines, and this is where mRNA vaccines could be helpful. The mRNA vaccines direct cells to make proteins that are needed for specific functions, and in vaccines, this protein stimulates the immune system but does not cause the disease. There are two types of mRNA vaccines, and while one is similar to what is already in the body, there is another form called SARNA for self-amplification. Natural mRNA degrades quickly by enzymes, while the SARNA produces more proteins that are less likely to be degraded. Some folks are concerned that mRNA from vaccines could be present in the meat or milk humans consume. Also, Dr. R.M. Thornsbury indicates his concern about these vaccines in livestock because there were so many reactions, complications, and even deaths with the COVID vaccines, which are mRNA. mRNA vaccines are not approved in cattle at this time, but are approved in swine. I'm Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Early teal season opens Saturday. Jessica Domel has this year's teal hunting forecast in today's wildlife report. The start of teal hunting season is just a few days away, and the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is forecasting a good year for some areas and a tough year for others. Kevin Cry, TPWD's waterfowl program leader, joins us with more probably the most important part of that equation has to do with population status. Although blue-wing teal are down 19% from the previous year, they're still at 5.2 million, which is a couple percentage points above the long-term average. So realistically, the blue-wing teal population is doing very, very well. And blue-wing teal make up the vast majority of our harvest during the early teal season. The green-winged teal population rose 16% over last year to 2.5 million ducks. While population data is important to determine what kind of season hunters will have this year, Cry said hunters also need to consider habitat. As we speak right now, for the majority of the state, we are in extreme drought and fresh surface water is very limited. 
during the early teal season, the majority of hunting takes place on the Gulf Coast from the rice prairies down to the coastal marsh. Cry said the areas that have surface water available or the landowners who are able to pump it up are going to concentrate birds heavily and they're likely to have a successful teal hunting season. He said hunters in those areas where there isn't a lot of available fresh water will struggle. Cry said when it comes to surface water right now, the Texas Panhandle and the High Plains are the bright spot thanks to precipitation in May. Those playa basins, pretty good percentage of those, much higher than normal holding water right now. Those that have access up here will probably have a better chance and we'll probably have a, obviously a, a bump in population here this fall. We'll have more with Kevin Cry on our next show. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Cattle and wheat both took a big jump in the market on Wednesday while the cotton market dropped lower. We'll take a look at all of the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. The 2023 Texas Cattle Feeders Association Annual Convention will be here before we know it. TCFA invites you to this year's convention, October 8th through the 10th, at the Gaylord Texan in Grapevine, Texas. The 2023 convention boasts outstanding educational, informative, and networking opportunities. Register before September 7th to save on your registration and hotel room at the 2023 TCFA Annual Convention. Find more information by visiting www.tcfa.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a nice jump in the cattle futures market on Wednesday, both live and feeder cattle making triple-digit gains. October live cattle up 275, closing at 182.70, December up 235, 186.50, with February live cattle up $1.90 at 190.37. Feeder cattle also seeing nice gains. September feeders up $1.77, $253.15. October feeder cattle up $217 at $256.47, while November up two bucks, $258.20. Cash fed cattle market all quiet on Wednesday, no sales to report. Feedlots here in the Southern Plains asking $180 and better this week. Boxed beef prices mixed on Wednesday. Choice was up 14 cents, 315.62. Select down 16, 289.38. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Riley Rhodes is my guest. They sold cattle on Labor Day. Riley, how was that sale? I went good for a holiday sale, uh, Larry, you know, for Labor Day. Uh, ended up with 806 head, uh, which was pretty decent volume. Market pretty much steady from what I could tell, uh, you know, from, from last week. It had a little dip in it last week, and it kind of held uh, together for this week. Uh, just some of the plainer cattle, uh, just, just getting that time of the year, starting to get a little bit harder to place, you know, some of your Longhorn Crosses and Brummers and Straight Charlets and Herefords and things like that. But uh, overall, you know, the better cattle still selling really really well um still not getting many pairs
years old, they're kind of splitting most of them out, 925 to 1650. Some bred cows from 775 to 1350. Uh, Packer cows and bulls sold steady, 108 to 116 on your high-yielding cows, 102 to 108 in your breakers, 74 to 90 on your canners. Your high-yielding Packer bulls, 118 to 124. The low to medium-yielding, 106 to 118. Two to three-weight choice steers, 252 to 286. Heifer mates, 240 to 278. Three to four weight choice steers, 252 to 282. Heifer mates, 220 to 264. Four to five weight choice steers, 230 to 272. Heifer mates, 214 to 248. Five to six weight choice steers, 220 to 262. Heifer mates, 210 to 238. The six to seven weight choice steers, 204 to 236. Heifer mates, 192 to 212. And the seven to eight weight calendar choice steers, 204 to 228. And their heifer mates, 190 to 208. But he came out to join us and got along pretty good with them. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for the next one. 361-786-2553 is office. 361-813-6650 is the cell. Webpage, liveoaklivestock.com. Neighbor, thanks for joining Riley and I here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. You're listening to us on Texas Ag Today. Good day. Back over to the futures trade now, where lean hogs finished lower Wednesday. October hogs dropped a dollar thirty, eighty-one eighty-seven. December down sixty-two cents at seventy-four forty-five. Class three milk was mixed. Nearby September milk down a penny, eighteen fifty-three a hundredweight. The October contract up eight cents at eighteen ninety-six a hundred. Cotton market taking a big drop Wednesday on negative economic reports coming out of China as well as a rising U.S. dollar. The nearby October dropped 200 points, 86 cents even. December cotton down 176 at 87 cents even. March cotton down 159 points at 87.10. Corn market didn't see a lot of action. Not much movement with the September contract only gaining a half penny, 471 and a half. December corn down a quarter cent, 485 and three quarters while March corn was down a penny at an even $5 a bushel. Wheat markets saw very nice gains on news that Russia continues to attack Ukrainian grain and port facilities, as well as the fact that Vladimir Putin just refuses to renew the Black Sea Grain Initiative and let that grain out of Ukraine. Hard wheat taking the biggest gains on that news December Kansas City wheat up 25 cents, 749 and a half. March wheat up 23 and a quarter, 752 a bushel. Soft wheat also saw gains in Wednesday's trade with December Chicago wheat up nine and three quarters, 609 a bushel. March wheat up nine and a half at 634 and a half. In the energy markets, October natural gas was down six cents at 252. October West Texas crude up 99 cents, 87.68 a barrel. The financial markets lower Wednesday afternoon. The Dow down 206 at 34,435. The Nasdaq down 178 at 13,842. The S&P down 36 points at 4,460. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, 
check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.